Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Trail Busters. Uh, I'm your host, Will. I'm Bing. And I'm Ethan. Trail Busters. Maybe before we dive in here, how's everybody doing? How, how are you doing, uh, uh, Bing? How, how's things? Pretty good. Uh, I got a massive sunburn the other day because I didn't put enough sunblock on. That was probably my bad, but... You know, you just kind of, yeah, you just kind of accept it. I got like a gnarly watch tan. Um, <laughs> mm, I would need classic. to wear a watch for like the next couple of days just to make sure it doesn't look out of out of um, the ordinary. But yeah. Well, that's that's almost like that's almost like the suntan of uh, the jewelry of suntans, because now it, <laughs> yeah, it like right. at a glance looks like you have a watch no matter what. That's true. It's like a permanent watch. Yeah, someone come out to me and ask me, and like, hey, what time is it? It's like, oh, let me check. <laughs> it, it's a built-in, uh, built-in bracelet. Yeah, yeah. I like the way you think. I have a similar thing. I get a, every year a Chaco tan because I wear Chaco-style sandals, so there's a little yeah, like, nice. stripe tan on my feet. Um, so I I used to get uh, flip-flop tans in South Carolina with the like the Y shape. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, the pincher ones. Yeah. Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think we all learned that to not get a suntan, you just wear nothing at all. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You gotta, you gotta get, I, get spray tan. <laughs> did I did I tell you guys last weekend I uh, got sunburn on just my elbow? What? Just my right elbow. I was sitting reading on, uh, outside. Uh, my mom's got a uh, seasonal campsite with a camper trailer at it and like a full deck built out and like a pavilion and stuff. And I was sitting outside reading a book under this p- like pavilion with bug netting and stuff. And the way I was sitting, just my elbow was in the sun and I didn't notice for like four hours of sitting there. And I got, <laughs> it crazy. wasn't really bad. It's already faded, so you can't really tell. It just kind of looked like I had been leaning on my elbow all day. Oh, like, man. Oh, oh, uh, but no, it was, it was a sunburn. It's hilarious. just a tip. Just the wow. yeah. we're all rocking like various <laughs> interesting sunburns. Yeah. So anyway, anyway let's digress. Let's let's um, digress. Ethan, you're <laughs> all, all, all good on your front, Ethan. Really quick. Oh yeah, yeah, all good. I uh, I just bought a new bike. Um, the yes. first time I've had a bicycle in probably like ten years. Very it's cool. been a long time. So uh, getting some uh, pedaling time in. I love that. It's my favorite form of exercise. Yeah, I figured um, I don't I don't have access to a gym right now, and I've been running a lot, but that's kind of getting old. So I figured it would be a good change of pace. Cool, cool. Uh, both both um, literally and uh, figuratively. <laughs> oh yeah, I see what you did. There. That's true. That's very very clever. Yeah. Well, good. Um, so I want to tell you guys about my trip. I just came back from. Um, I was up yeah, in Algonquin. Uh, Thursday and Friday, I did a two-day trip uh, down the Oxtongue River. So nice. if you think of Algonquin like a, a kind of a P-shape roughly, but in reverse. So the bulb of the P reverse is pointing to the left, P-shape. like a, a mirror image of a, a, a letter P. I don't know. It's a bit, it's probably not the best shape metaphor, but... It's, it's, it's kind of like a P with... A loop on both sides if you yeah. like zoom out and look at it yeah i was in like the central area which is like the the p bulb i don't know is that the mm. word p bulb that doesn't sound good um the like great description. The, the little the the hangy down bit the, the tail 
No, I wasn't in the tail. I was in the Oh, you're smacking the middle. Yeah, I was in the middle. But I was in the southwest part of the middle. So that kind mm -hmm. of um in the in the main area, the central they call it the central area. I, I, I started at a canoe lake. So, so let me let me get this right. So you yeah. basically so the park is a P shape that has two loops on each side and you're smacking the middle. Pretty well. Mm, sort of. Nice. Uh, I would Google it. I started at Canoe Lake. I I, I think we're we our our powers of the of uh, imagery are failing a bit to describe. <laughs> um if you're perplexed, just Google Canoe Lake and you'll get a, a good uh sense of where I started. Um but basically I was uh we drove in and um the so much that I learned from this trip. I don't even really know where to start, so uh, basically, one of the things was we brought our own canoe. Um, we, we borrowed my partner's parents' canoe, which is this big old kind of like, what are those cars? They're like kind of notoriously comfortable, like old school cars that oh, like, like grandparents drive. Wagon, right? The Woodies. No, like a, like a, oh like an old snowmobile? Like a big cruiser? Yeah, a like a car? cruiser, like a, yeah, it's like a boat, you know, it's like you're driving a boat. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Big old steel things. Yeah, it's kind of like that of a canoe because it was like really big and, and comfortable. Like the seats were really comfortable, but that thing was freaking heavy. It was so heavy. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. And so that was a problem. This, this actually is starting off um, ringing really true to my last portage trip <laughs> because last time I was in Algonquin Park for a portage, um, my, the, the trip where my uh, buddy fell in and we had to paddle out early, uh, we started in Canoe Lake with an old fiberglass, um, like from the eighties yeah. canoe yep. that, that I borrowed from my like stepdad. This. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds exactly it, uh, it also, it probably wasn't as heavy though. Cause I'm pretty sure it was a single person canoe. Cause the two of us with all of our gear in it, uh, we didn't have a lot of clearance above mm. the water. That's, oh, yeah. uh, it was it was questionable. That's not that's ideal. Sketchy sight. Yeah, yeah. This one yeah. was big. Like we had plenty of room, and, and and we were riding high. But like, yeah, we'll get to that. Like the the glory of portaging a canoe <laughs> like that. What was it made out of? Was it like fully it was, made out of wood? No, it was fiberglass. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. But thick. Like still the, pretty yeah, heavy. Old yeah. school. Yeah, old school, like red painted. I, nice. Though. I think fi fiberglass is still pretty old school. Yeah, Kevlar is what you want. That makes a you huge yeah. difference. Kevlar, graphite, carbon fiber. Yeah, but you know, one of the mistakes I think the, the the big mistake I would say, or not, I don't even know mistake because I'm really glad about it. You know, I learned so much. But one of the things I really wish, uh, I, one thing I will do going forward, that's how I'll put it, is uh, just go with an outfitter, like renting, because it was yeah. kind of a pain, like getting the the canoe strapped to our car. We have a Prius mm. uh, hybrid, you know. Just, protecting the environment another no deal another thing i can relate to because i strapped mine to the roof of a honda civic yeah not not an easy feat especially if you don't car, have yeah. roof rack. yeah yeah like we i will say one. uh oh, one thing I, I i saw your instagram photos of it one big thing that i had an advantage on was i bought uh, ratchet straps for when i did mine yeah, ratchet straps are uh, nice we do so today's dad is like really into boy scouts but well, mm -hmm. Hungarian, they're Hungarian. So it's called Hungarian scouts. It's basically the same thing I, from what I can gather. Uh, so he's really into knots. So he was like, it's easy. Just do this and this and this. <laughs> and then, yeah, it actually kind of, fare? 
Well, we had to do it again after being out in the sun and the elements for two days of exhausting outdoor exercise. And then we had to figure out how to tie the knots. And honestly, I was impressed because today's did it no problem because she grew up going into scouts. But I, I don't know if I could have done it. It was nothing like rocket science, but just like kind of different variations of square knots, that kind of thing. But right. yeah, it was definitely a learning. And like we had these like foam things to put on the on the canoe. But in the future, A, I, a roof rack's nice. And B, just going with an outfitter simplifies your life so much. I I found with, with mine, I used those foam blocks too. And the ratchet straps were really nice. Um, but we looped them through the, uh, like over the canoe and then through the... Um, windows yeah that's what we and did rolled the wind or through the doors maybe yeah um and there was a strap inside the car that was vibrating like crazy and the way the wind hit the entire drive we had a very loud like an extremely <laughs> loud whistle noise <laughs> that we couldn't get rid of that's and uh the ratchet straps have those big metal pieces that vi- sit and vibrate so i ended up taking some old gym socks and cutting the toe out and sliding them over the metal thing luckily i had kind of thought about that in advance my friend that i was going with i think suggested it but we uh, like had to put socks over these things so we had the most sketchy looking like an old canoe ratcheted to a uh, too small of car with socks all over it amazing <laughs> protecting the paint job of the car that's hilarious um, man. that's hilarious yeah. i can imagine what you look like on the highway this <laughs> is random yeah. socks flying out the window yeah That'll, that'll have to be an Instagram post showing the different car setups we've used. Oh, that's this. a cool idea. Yeah. yeah. We have some photos, I think. Um, and one mm-hmm. of the funny things, the kind of dilemma we had was that the, the Prius is a keyless entry. Not key. It's like a remote key. There's not a physical yeah. key. You like have this little clicker. It's like key fob, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is normally like convenient and great. But what we yep. needed to figure out to do is that Teresa's parents dropped us off. We drove two cars and her parents drove our car to the pickup spot and picked up their car and then wanted to needed we only had one key so we had to figure out with keyless entry um you can't like hide the key near the car because the key if it's near the car will just unlock the door (laughs) right (laughs) so i've never thought of that before yeah Yeah. so i always like tuck mine in a wheel well or something like that. yeah but it opens the car so it was very funny and then we figured out okay there's like actually like a mechanical key you can use that opens the car that's kind of stuck yeah, that's like the, kind of hidden in and you can kind of like push yeah, a button that's the and pull emergency it one <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so we we're like okay we have this emergency key maybe we could use that but and then the idea would be like maybe they lock the keys in the car and then we can open the car door but if the <laughs> the, the the car won't lock the doors if it thinks you're locking the keys inside like it's trying to be smart and the way it's smart <laughs> is nice. if there's a certain amount of weight on the seat it knows that you're in the car and if you're in the car or it thinks you're in the car then it will keep the doors locked. But if there isn't enough weight, then it'll open up. And it took us a very funny, like, kind of trial and error thing. Like, why the heck can't we lock this key in the car? Like, we were <laughs> experimenting, and we got, like, big jugs of water to weigh it down. But what we ended yes. up doing is we got a big metal lockbox, and we put it kind of, there's, like, a hook in the frame near the exhaust. And I think a combination of it being fairly far from the front door by being in the exhaust area and being in this metal box, um, it actually didn't open the car, so we figured it out. But oh, that's good. Yeah, the signals yeah. won't go through. Yeah, so anyway, we figured that out, and uh, we ended up uh, getting dropped off there at Canoe Lake at around 10 in the morning or so. And uh, so basically, in, in Algonquin, in the central area that we were at, there's uh, three that I'm aware of major rivers that flow west 
into the Muskokas from Algonquin, uh, Ox Tongue mm-hmm. River, which is what we canoed on. Then above that, there's one called the the uh, Black River, I think it's called. Um, and then above that, I think there's a, the third river. I think it's the Big East River, something like that. And uh, I, I know this because I, I actually got my hands on this really incredible incredible book. Um, it's called uh, Canoeing Muskokas, uh, something like Ecotourism and Adventures in Canada's Outdoors or something like that. I forget the byline. But it's this really cool book because it's got all these like hand-drawn maps of different canoe trips that Sky's done, uh, in, mostly in the Muskokas, but also in Algonquin. And so he does all these different rivers. And what's kind of neat is that as you go north, um, like the Oxtongue is the most southerly river, it's also sort of the most easy uh, river um, to canoe, at least the portion that we did. And then as you go up north, it gets a little bit more remote and also a little bit more uh, like you're shooting more rapids and that kinds of thing. It's a little bit more technical. Right. So it's kind of mm-hmm. cool because the book gives you like a sense of like progression, like, OK, I'll start here and I'll work towards these other goals. So um, that's kind of fun. And, and uh, mm-hmm. it provides a lot of interesting notes and detailed like uh, portage descriptions. And the guy who wrote it is like pretty into rap- rapids. Um, which I know nothing about. I'm like not very experienced canoeer, so uh, he's like kind of wanting you to do the rapids. But you took that challenge head on, didn't you? Well, we did. We ran more rapids than I thought we would. Like I thought we'd just <laughs> be biased towards portaging, but it was it's fun, man. Like so, like yeah, the general like description of the trip is like you start off on lakes, and then the lakes kind of turn into this this uh, river, and. Um, there's a few small portages in the beginning. I just guess, I guess just one. You go around this uh, dam, uh, Tea Lake Dam, I think it's called. And then you get on the Oxtongue mm-hmm. River and uh, you hit right away like a series of rapids. And man, it's so much fun. Like you're in this canoe, right? And like, you know, I'm, I'm having to remember how to steer the dang thing to get started. But after a while, you get into a rhythm. It doesn't feel that complicated. But when you hit to the rapids, it's like suddenly you have to like really kind of plan out okay we're it's like you plan out the whole trip like okay we're gonna go past this boulder on the right and then steer and it's really fun and exhilarating and also incredibly dangerous um given our skill level and and like uh everything but uh yeah we shot like today's and i shot a few of the rapids we we skipped about 80 percent of the portages that you could have done um but uh we ended up uh doing some portaging and because we went this time of year bugs were pretty bad and they were really bad when you're carrying a massive old buick canoe uh and getting just like eaten up um yeah so yeah did you have any of the the fly repellent stuff i had like good gear like i was wearing long pants and a long sleeve shirt and we had put bug spray on and everything and um we had like full body uh, bug jackets but we weren't wearing those when you portaged um hmm. so yeah they, I don't know. they i hear they work best when you have them on <laughs> yeah like yeah i guess <laughs> i guess the thing was sort of like a calculation around like you know you can kind of unpack your bags change your outfit because you don't you don't need any of that really when you're in on the lake or on the river because the bugs are fine yeah like, when you're in motion yeah like, they're not you wouldn't even know like it's not a problem so it's almost a surprise it was a surprise for us when we first did it it was like holy these bugs are nightmare um, it's and, it's almost too i would think like you you'd have to spend time stopped and digging out the gear and putting it on all while you're getting eaten alive so it's like a are we going to spend the time to put all this yeah. gear on getting eaten alive 
to walk a little bit and then take it back off, getting eaten alive, put it back away somewhere and then get back on the river? Or are we just going to like suck it up for a little bit? Yeah, exactly. You got it. So it's sort of like embrace the suck as, as we've, we've kind of, you know, the hat tip to Darwin on the trail. Um, we just sort of charged in and today's doesn't, um, she was helpful with the canoe, but I did a lot of the carrying of the canoe because it had this thing called a mm. neck yoke, which is like, I don't what know what to me. It's like, just like the center bar. So canoes have like, yeah, you can envision a canoe. There's the seats in the front and the back, and then there's yep. usually like a center bar, like a brace. Mm-hmm. And then some canoes that are sort of meant, I, perhaps this is true, I don't know. My, my assumption is in not every canoe, but in some canoes, they have a a yoke shape so like a yoke like you might yoke a horse to a carriage yep yeah um and so you can flip the canoe over your head and put it on your shoulder girdle like at the base of your neck and right. carry this thing kind of on your own and it works like it's actually sort of incredible like the canoe's flipping heavy but you put that thing on your shoulders and your skeleton uh, is carrying a lot of the weight and it's transferring a lot of that weight into the ground and right. like I was surprised. Like it, it's incredibly in, ex, high level of exertion. Like, I mean, it yeah. makes sense. It's like it's like doing it's, squats at the gym. It's like doing squats at the gym. Yeah. Yeah. It it sits the exact same way. Um, and they've got like it's especially um, ones that are built for portaging are usually like grooved to kind of contour to your neck and shoulders a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one big issue and uh, one thing I mentioned, I don't think we mentioned it on the episode, but talking about our upcoming trip when we were talking about getting bags and things like that, if you get a backpacking, hiking backpack, they typically stick, especially if they have like the brain that sits on top. Yep. They sit up above your head. And the problem with that is that interferes with being able to put the yoke of a canoe on your shoulders. So if you look at portaging and canoe backpacks, they're often much wider um, and they're not quite as good for as long of distance, like a full day of hiking with it on your back, but they're wider and shorter. So you can still use that yoke on your shoulders. Yeah, exactly. So last time I went portaging, we got sick of trying to get that yoke to sit on your shoulders and there were two of us carrying the canoe. So we just put on our backpacking backpacks and then held the canoe above our heads. But then like, luckily we didn't have a ton of distance portages because you have, you're having to use your arms actively the whole time to hold this thing above your head, which is much less advantageous than like sitting, using that yoke. Um, Yeah. You tire out a lot quicker. Oh yeah. Like what we ended up doing was because we had hiking backpacks is that we, um, did two trips so most of our pressures were pretty short um like 200 meters would probably representative of like an average length i'm guessing something like Mm -hmm. that and um yeah so what we do is we'd run our bags to the end and then come back for the canoe and then carry that over and one thing that was nice is there was nobody there like we were alone once we got so basically we started at canoe lake and once we'd left the lake when we were loading into our canoe for like our first takeoff there was like six other canoes they're getting ready with us and every single one went east and we were the one canoe going west and like we were kind of thinking like uh did we miss like a memo or what's going on here so so canoe lake is um is a big launching point to go from there more deep like you guys it looks like you went west and southwest and kind of went out of yeah. algonquin park almost yeah, we did yeah um so canoe lake 
lake is the start of a ton of different loops that go north into Algonquin Park. And you'll like loop around through lakes more than rivers. Yeah. And then end up back at Canoe Lake to drive out. Yeah, loops are nice because then you don't have to plan a pickup car. And lakes and rivers obviously don't lend themselves to loop type trips. So yeah, I could see yeah. how that would how that kind of fits the bill. And yeah, so we were basically the only people on, on the river, which meant we could, you know, leave our canoe kind of at the mouth of the portage and not really worry about inconveniencing a neighbor or what have you. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, but the, the portage was grueling and really hard. Like as soon as I put, pick that thing up and put it on my shoulders, I would break into a sweat because it was hard. Like I was sweating yeah. canoeing, but like my body was just like, oh my gosh, this is hard and exhausting. Like, um, physical activity so we we kind of tried to the extent we could to avoid them so we ended up shooting a bunch of rapids and man we, we got good at it it was fun like it was it was really fun like i'm kind of keen to like That's get really into cool. it because it never felt like because there was some portage some like rapids we just wouldn't do it looked too hard but like really you know all you have to do is watch out for some rocks and sometimes they're hard to see, right. but but you, you're supposed to... And what we did is you'd stop and scout, and you kind of see the shape of the rapids, and you think, okay, like, it's going fast here, but that's the center of the river. It's probably deeper. Um, yeah. And so we kind of just shot those rapids like that and kind of skirted around the rocks and what what have you. And um, Did you did you, ma- did you manage to dodge all of them, or did you hit a couple on the way down? We... So the first day was fine, for that we didn't hit anything and it was really fun there's even one point where we there's some hikers because we go past this thing called the whiskey whiskey rapids or something where there's a day mm-hmm. hike to them and they're like this middle-aged couple like having coffee or something and then yes. we come through like <laughs> hollering we're just like oh yeah. my god because we, we you know it's very adrenaline and we don't know really what we're doing but we're giving it our best try and they just yeah. like kind of like stared at us like who are these kind of <laughs> like weirdos and um but it was fun and yeah we shot those rapids fine but then on the second day um we were feeling cocky um this is kind of skipping over some other stuff i want to kind of circle back to so i'll just make a note of that um but uh on the second day uh we um we had a little harder of a time with some of the rapids because uh I remember one at one point the water got too low and we had to get out of the canoe to carry it up over some rocks and we kind of unfortunately scraped the bottom of the canoe a bit, but that was mostly um, that wasn't like ever it was never scary because we could we were like ankle deep water uh, it was just sort of too bad because it dinged up the canoe a little bit, right? Um, but hey, you know canoes are there to be used I suppose and yeah and, yeah and it happens it. yeah so long as you don't blow a hole and then you're good yeah and it never mm-hmm. felt like we were close to that but what um, yeah, there were some epic waterfalls, and uh, the signage. Did you go isn't down great. any of those? No, but the <laughs> signage isn't great, so you really have to know where you are, because uh, you know I was thinking like a river. Do we really even need a map? Like at some point we're just going. Do you just go down the river? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you just, I don't know. You don't need to know where you are, but what you do need to know is like what what portages where they start and how long they are maybe and. Um, that kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah, we almost tried, we were even considering like, oh, should we check this out? And it was like a, kind of a doable rapid and then a friggin' massive kill you dead waterfall, like uh, a little ways down. But, uh, we heard that obviously yeah. you hear the waterfall, so we, we didn't do that. Right. But, uh, um, yeah. I would it, imagine was... if you actually approach that, you start paddling backwards as fast Ooh, as you yeah. can. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... <laughs> that, uh... 
That that reminds me of. Uh, did you guys ever read the book Crab by William Bell, no. Canadian author? No. That was um it kind of like similar vibe to like Hatchet or you know one of those oh, books. I love it's that book. fiction about a kid who um trying to figure out what like he's got a lot of pressure on him from his parents and stuff to like get into a good college and kind of freaks him out a little bit. So he um sneaks off in the middle of the night and steals his parents canoe and a bunch of outdoors gear and just goes off into the woods and uh, he starts going down a river and he's paddling you know just having a blast for the first little bit and all of a sudden he uh gets through some rapids and near the end of the rapids there's a waterfall that he can't avoid because now the water's moving too fast and he's not really as experienced as he thought he goes over and he breaks his leg and he's stuck out there in the woods and um like there's this woman that's like living out in the woods who saves him and like teaches him how to live in the wild and stuff and she's got her own reasons for being out there really good book i read it i I think i read it all the way back in elementary school nice um and uh but canadian author really cool book um more more toward like a teen type audience i think but um and i haven't read it in years but um now that i'm thinking about it i might go back and read that again yeah do it i love books like that hatchet epic so epic and we'll leave a note Mm -hmm. uh in the show notes uh, for anyone interested yeah in it's learning more. it's called it it's called crab spelled c-r-a-b-b-e i think it's his last name nice um the character's last name yeah i can see how he'd break yeah. a leg because like maybe in a like a raft or a kayak you might have a better shot because i'm pretty sure people do at higher levels of experience go down some water some waterfalls i think that's a thing I, but, I think it also depends how much water there is underneath versus like onto right. rocks. Yes, the whole thing. rock to water um, ratio being very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that the rapids after the waterfall were it was very surprisingly shallow and um, yeah the the very interesting like the way rivers can change character you know because a lot of the trip a lot a lot a lot of the trip were these long meanders so we would go for hours and hours you'd go a little ways and then you'd turn down a curl because the, the drive from where we dropped off the car to where we launched our canoe was like 30 minutes max 20 minutes maybe um but the canoe trip was two brutal days of like lots of canoeing and the reason for that is that the river just winds and winds and winds and winds and winds um just like you wouldn't believe and um mm-hmm. some of those like and and then so the challenge with that is less technique or like physical prowess it's just staying hydrated keeping and getting enough shade because you're in the sun yeah and um and also just yeah like the physical discomfort of like repetitively rowing and sitting for a long time in the heat uh so that's a sort of different challenge that you require sort of a different uh i don't know like mentality or something than the sort of like very physical but very like in the moment of shooting rapid and uh honestly right. I, w- I would try in the future to pick rivers that are a little less slow and winding because while that meant there was lots of like kind of downtime it was also kind of boring to be kind of you know a little bit blunt like it's not you know it's only so many times you can go down that seemingly identical stretch of river uh you know <laughs> kind of i, so I will I will say, I know a lot of people love portaging and like going in through lakes and stuff like that. Um, One thing I found with lakes is um, 
it sounds very similar to your river experience, but think of the river not moving at all. Yeah, that seems Because it's a lake. Yeah, river. It's a little bit wider, so there's probably a little bit more to see at any given time, you know, but um, especially the wider open the lake is, the more likely you're also paddling against wind. Yeah, that's not fun either. That's true. Yeah, I think, I don't know, it's interesting. Like, definitely would recommend this trip to anyone who wants to get into river canoeing because you kind of get it all and it's never too intense. Um, I'd recommend doing it during a time of year where the bugs weren't as bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I don't think I'd do it again because it did get a little bit boring at times. And the stuff I really liked was like the rapids and when the current, when the river had a bit of current to it, because then you get a nice breeze and you feel like you're flying, like you're really going at like a fast jog kind of pace. But when you're going against the, the, uh, wind like you mentioned ethan or um something like a current even uh, really can feel like slow going and if the scenery is kind of a little bit repetitive it can get a little monotonous so yeah i wouldn't necessarily do it again but i'd recommend it to people who want to get get their teeth cut on some kind of very novice type of mm-hmm. rapids and stuff now nice. one one question i have um you're talking about needing a map earlier made me think of this um and if i'm jumping too far ahead we we can get to it later but um you you guys stayed like overnight at least one night right yeah um, did you have to book like a specific campsite on this river or was it more like stealth camping find a good spot pull up we booked uh, one campsite at a place called Upper Twin Falls, and uh, there was nobody there, so we had our pick of the site. But I don't. We didn't reserve like there was like multiple sites at this like area, and we didn't say which one. Uh, we just said okay. Upper Twin Falls, and there was some like kind of pre-established zones. So um, the camping I was. was nice. I was curious because they do a similar thing for um, for camping on lakes in Algonquin, but with lakes, it's a little more. Um, it's a little easier to like wrap your head around the logic of how they would break them up where it's like this lake has 10 campsites. So you pick one of you book one of those 10, like you say, I'm camping on this lake. And when you get there, you just pick one of the 10. Yeah. Um, but because it's a lake, it like a river, I wasn't sure how they would divide that up, but I guess putting it near certain landmarks also works. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's near, near a portage and, um, the campsite that, that brings me to the campsite, which is something I wanted to touch on. So, um, the canoeing itself was challenging at times, boring at times, exhilarating at times, uh, physically demanding, uh, but relatively pleasant and all in all a good experience. But camping was to be honest, somewhat of a challenge, uh, because the bugs were really bad. Um, they were bad mostly in the early morning and at night. Um, but I've never quite experienced this level of mosquito. <laughs> like it was <laughs> really it must be uh, insane. Like yeah. it would just be an onslaught, wouldn't it? Yeah. So when we first got to our campsite, there weren't any bugs and there, we were near kind of some falls. So like small falls, but like right. kind of, there was a current and a wind, bit of wind. And so when we first got to our campsite around like four or something, it wasn't that bad. But as the night went on, it got progressively worse until we just had we ended up kind of retreating to our tent uh, well before I would normally. Because my favorite I mean, part of camping, I is would like imagine, stars. like bugs don't gather around standing water. So with the current, with the wind, I think that would be a, a much more pleasant experience. No, 
it was well, good mosquitoes do typically go more towards still water yeah, yeah. It, it was good yeah. at first but yeah. like during the day it was fine but at night it got really bad and did you cover yeah. yourself in smoke <laughs> we the had a fire the, uh, the campfire yeah we had a fire and that helped but uh we got we I, I tell you like i think if you were there you would have done the same we, we ended up kind of making a tactical mm-hmm. retreat to the tent because right. we were getting eaten up and then i i made the choice and i don't know this is actually a question i have for you guys so i decided that it was really hot the forecast was clear skies no rain so i said let's not put the rain fly on and we'll get a better view you know we we're going to bed with it's still a bit of light out um let's lay in the tent and just keep the rain fly off and uh, I wondered if you guys think, is that like completely a, against camping law or is it at times okay to keep the rain fly off of your tent? What do you guys think? I personally, I, I've i never done it um, because I think most of, the, most of the times I'm camping, I'm never that sure that it's not going to rain and I'm just a little too paranoid about that. But... That being said, like that's something I would really, I would love to go camping and know like it's a super clear day. It's probably not gonna rain. Um, if it's really hot, definitely. Um, I think that's a good move. You get a lot more wind. To be honest, most of the time I've gone camping when it's been super hot and I've been dying to sleep with the rain with the fly off. I've been in like a car camping campground where like people can see your tent and stuff, and you know I just don't feel comfortable with people being able to watch me sleep. Yeah. But in the woods. Yeah, I'd say go for it, personally. How about you, Bing? Yeah, exactly the same thing. I don't think it's... Like, I've never done it before, but the tent is pretty much built to protect you anyway. Um, And all the rain cover does is just protect you from the elements a little bit. And like Ethan said, it's if, if it's all perfect conditions, like, why not? The other thing, too, that I might, I would probably do if I were in that situation is maybe, because, like, my, my rain fly, it basically, you pull it over, and it snaps. It's got little hooks that hook into the same straps that the tent mm-hmm, poles mm-hmm. hook into. So I'd probably pre-snap it on one side and leave it, like, rolled up. So if oh, it did smart. start to rain, I'd jump uh, out, just pull it over, pull and snap it over, the other yeah. two. Yeah. Or something, like, something along those lines. Yeah. So long as it's not structural, I think you're good. Yeah. I have many times like left the fly on to you with like the doorways rolled out as open as I could get them. I do that a lot. But yeah, that's um, I've never kind of... never had quite the conditions where I've fully opened up. Well, I yeah, so I made the call to to leave it open and we did get a tiny little shower in the middle of the night and <sighs> it was really nothing and we probably couldn't could have gotten away with not putting the fly on, but we didn't know at the time what would happen, so I went outside um, at night to put the fly on, and but I was naked. And by the time I got back into the tent, I had gotten so many bug bites. My whole body itched. <laughs> it was insane. Wow. It was like immediately. I, I, I felt like I was out there for just minutes. But there must have been like a swarm because I was so bitten up. I couldn't believe it because I didn't normally How, have my clothes on. Was it like stuff. early in the night or close to the morning? Because normally uh, I would... Th- I usually think that like dead of night, the bugs kind of die down. It's usually like dusk and dawn that they're the worst. It might not have been that late. I get possible that it was like early evening. Um, I was definitely woken up from a deep sleep though. So yeah, I don't know what it was. I don't know what time of day it was exactly. I was pretty disoriented, but yeah, we got, you know, and I, what I think the issue might've been is that, uh, 
mosquitoes like to sleep in kind of like cave this is something you mentioned in a podcast like if you have a tarp they, they, they like to kind of yeah. sleep in the tarp and we had our canoe right by our tent um so i right. think it's possible that a lot of the mosquitoes in the area were like sleeping nearby and then when i got up maybe i like roused them or something i don't know but i got bitten up good i could got be very territorial really yeah i don't know it was horrible i i would not recommend um that so yeah just always hey, i will gear. say like um i usually when i'm camping it's pretty common especially if i'm by myself for me to sleep in either just boxers or naked you know especially if it's hot but i always keep my pants and a shirt like right by the door ready to go so that definitely would be the one one thing i would have done yeah. before going out is yeah. throwing at least some pants yeah <laughs> there's, or certain a poncho. I, there's certain areas i don't want mosquitoes biting yeah so. well it's yeah you definitely need to that's so true yeah like in retrospect and um yeah, we got. In, I got in your defense, though, like waking up in the middle of the night to rain and panicking to throw on a rain fly, like I can't guarantee that I would have the foresight to throw on some clothes and like suit up to get <laughs> yeah. ready for that. Well, learn from my my pain and my my mistake, and be prepared no matter what to like always have full mosquito gear if you're going out uh, during this time of year, at least. But. Uh, apparently the mosquitoes get a lot better kind of from this uh um, from this weekend out um so like peak mosquito season is sort of winding down um one last thing i wanted to touch on before uh, maybe we move to wrap things up is fishing so um bing i know you're a fisher i am not really um i done it dibbled and dabbled but i've never actually caught a fish um and I've tried to fish on this trip and I had no success. So I was wondering, um, have you ever done like camping fishing or do you have like, what, what's your gear set up? Like any advice to like a beginner fisher person being? I mean, it depends on what kind of bait you're using. If it's like live bait or an artificial so, one. So one thing, I don't know if, if you were uh, sticking to these rules or not, Will, but I'm pretty sure Algonquin Park has a ban on any live bait. Oh, I don't know about that. I didn't, uh, I didn't true. use live that's true. bait. Is that right? I'm pretty sure they have a live bait ban. Yeah, huh. it kind of, uh, you don't want to introduce different things into the ecosystem. So, yeah, I think live, oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I just found it. So, yeah, I guess you'd be, have to use artificial uh, bait then, eh? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Exactly. Uh, if the authorities are listening, I just use artificial bait. But, um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, with the artificial bait, I think there's, like, two different parts of it. One is the floating part of it, and the other part is the actual, like, shimmery color part where the fish kind of attacks. And it's supposed to act like a little fish where, where the, the fish that you want to catch will eat it. So you have to keep it constantly moving. You have to reel it in. You have to throw it back in and stuff like that. So you have to really keep on moving that. Mm-hmm. Can you do it in rivers? Where, what's that? Can you do it in a river? Yeah, absolutely. Like you can, you can basically cast it uh, far away and then reel it back. But so long as you're reeling it in a way where it feels like a fish is moving, I think you'd be good. You don't want to reel it as like a constant, uh, constant reel uh, because that's not that's unnatural and the fish won't go after it. So it's like reel, reel, stop. Yeah. Tug, tug, reel, reel, stop. 
tug tug type of thing huh. i i think ha- having uh lures and things like that as opposed to live bait for backpacking makes a little more sense too for the most part just because it's easier to carry with you and it's more reusable yeah. like um, typically a lure is, isn't made to be a one-time use thing like uh, if you're fishing with a worm and you catch a fish or even sometimes if you don't catch a fish the worm is it. only good for a certain <laughs> amount of time it falls off the hook you yeah know? um i i haven't done too much lure fishing though so i think if i were fishing in algonquin park i'd have to get some practice on that you have to be really patient with lure fishing uh to be honest uh, you just have to get the timing right the movement of the lure right um and it's just you just basically kick back do the proper practices and just you know have a good time mm-hmm. um if you're by yourself you can just kind of reminiscent about the experiences reflect that kind of thing if you're for some company i pretty sure you have some stories to tell some beers to kick back with and stuff like that so cool, I, my experience of fishing basically comes down to sitting around a lake in south carolina with my dad usually quite a few beers we'll throw out um he's got these like um poles that he puts into the ground they're like pvc pipe that nice. he's cut into a shape so the rod will slide down into it and then uh, he buries those in the dirt and we'll throw out the maximum amount we can per licensed fisher and just sit back with a beer and watch <laughs> these rods all day um, and do you, catch you know fish? what let's, let's go yeah we usually uh we usually catch a lot of like small various fish and then every now and then you'll catch like a giant catfish down there yeah that's cool i would imagine I imagine that gonquin has a lot of smallmouth bass and stuff like that so yeah it, they, they should be it should be good in terms of just the amount of fish there yeah i, mean, I think there i think there's good fish there yeah from what i've heard so bing we, 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 you and me and ethan we're all planning a canoe trip uh this coming weekend yes. so maybe when we go up uh we'll do some fishing eh I mean, if I could find a rod that could fit the backpack, yeah, let's do that. I mean, I, I kind of feel guilty if, if basically if Ethan is just paddling and I'm just fishing in the back. Mm. <laughs> hey, you'll feed him well, I, fish to keep him going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, get, you give a man a fish, you feed him for the night, and we're True. only there a couple nights. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm excited for our upcoming adventure, and I hope you all stay tuned to the next episode of the Trailbusters, where we may well reflect on uh, another canoe trip, but this one featuring much more fishing and lakes and less rivers and hopefully less bugs. Uh, so this is your host, Will, along with... I'm Bing. And Ethan. And we're signing off. <laughs>